1: Here comes Bosco's boys, here comes Bosco's boys,
0: right down Bosco's boys lane. Santa Claus got and all the boneheads on Willie's crazy train. Chauncey's chewing on the mistletoe. Oh, what a beautiful noise. Grab a brew and talk KSU, cause here comes Bosco's
1: boys are back. And I tell you what, it's been too long since I've had this man on and we have a lot of stuff to talk about. I think he is a first ballot hall of famer of everyone we've ever had on this show. I was trying to crunch numbers in my head and I think he may have called more K-State sporting events than any other person in the history of broadcast radio and television. Yep. You can think about that. I think it is true. He not only is the voice of K-State soccer, K-State volleyball, K-State women's basketball, and hosts the best pre-game football show in the world, but he also is filling in with the men down in the Bahamas. He can do everything. Baseball. Did I even say baseball? Of course, baseball as well. This man covers it all. And I want to be his best friend. I I don't care what I have to do. I want one day for Brian to truthfully say I'm his best friend. That's right. Brian Smaller is back. Brian, you've been traveling all over, uh, what, the Northeast Hemisphere? You know, I think that's correct. You know, calling men's basketball and then women's basketball. You're back in Manhattan. How are you doing? Jet lagged. Where's your energy at? Just walk me through your headspace right now.
0: I have, uh, thank you for the intro, by the way. I need you to be the permanent hype man for sure. Um, no, I have pounded uh, iced tea and lemonade Arnold Palmer's here the last couple of days uh, trying to recover and get caffeinated. I'm trying to be mindful of my caffeine intake, so I'm trying to back off soda. I've gotten way too, baseball season, uh, end of last year, and in the beginning of this year, I got way hooked on soda and uh, way too much of the, the Pepsi and Coke and all that stuff. So I'm trying to get off that. Um, but this has been a rough week as far as uh, jet lag and sleep no doubt Um, it's been a couple of late nights but it's been fun it's been great my family got to go with me the last two weeks and uh, they thoroughly enjoyed it my son turned 15 while we were on the road trip with uh, the women's basketball team and um, so he obviously had a great time and um, two teams that play are playing well and had a lot of fun it's family environment so it's great. I, I don't know uh, about all the other K State events, though. I don't keep track of that stuff. I never. I'm not. I'm not one to ever count up my games or how many games I've done. I just think it's that stuff's kind of silly. Sometimes it draws too much attention to me, which you know. Hey, at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about the cats.
1: Well, I love that. I'm gonna draw attention to you though, because you know, I I think that you are one of the best, and and I think it says a lot about K State. Again, I. I've had Wyatt Thompson on, and of course, he's the main guy for football and basketball, but I think the fact that you're here doing some of those other sports, and then you look at Who all steps in during non con for foot or for basketball when you guys are traveling? You know, between Ben Boyle, everyone who's stepping in uh, for K State broadcast, there is no other university that has a broadcast team as deep as K State does. And you're a massive part of that. So I want to draw attention to that because (laughs) I do think you and the entire team is that great.
0: I appreciate that. Well, I'll tell you my job here at K State, um, overseeing our video department, my rain, main responsibility is overseeing our broadcasters. So uh, it's my job to schedule all of our broadcasters and and figure out who's doing what game and get them there and get them all the stuff they need. and uh, we're we're very lucky that we have a great stable of, of folks around this area that love K State, love coming back and um, it's been somewhat of a headache here the last year because we've actually had some that have graduated and moved on into bigger and better things. James Wesling, who's been a big part of us, a K-State grad, now doing a bunch of stuff for ESPN. He used to be one of our main fill-ins. and um, So we had to call on Jake Eisenberg from the Royals and had him pop in and do a couple of games, and uh, yeah, well, he's been what, fantastic. What a rough so, you know, call to the
1: bullpen, the voice of the Royals, uh, no. getting in there, getting involved. And I also want to say uh, – Throughout the years, especially with the ESPN Plus, the student sideline reporters, second to none. Again, I watch so much ESPN Plus, women's basketball, volleyball, soccer. What we get here for K-State home games and the stable of student sideline workers. uh, Again, I say second, no one's even in the same ballpark. So I want to give a shout out to all of them as well.
0: Yeah, we uh, particularly are very proud of that. In fact, we have um, we're, we're pushing for um, a, a grant uh, at the moment. We've got some some work out there trying to get a grant from the state and from the federal uh, government as well, on trying to really push what has been a successful venture for us as far as the the product of female uh, sports reporters that have come out of our line of work. We put over 100 uh, people into the industry both behind the camera and on camera here over the course of K-State HDTV's history all um, of uh, that are female and it's been fantastic. We had the first all female broadcast of, a, of an FBS uh, school uh, here a couple of years ago with basketball and um, the two that we have right now are only sophomores, and they are are extremely talented, Sophie Smith and Hannah Whetstone, and we put a lot of pride into that and a lot of work and recruiting into that, and um, very, very pleased with who we've had and the character of those young ladies that, that have come back. In fact, we had Jasmine back to do uh, football this last weekend, so uh, she's over in Columbia working right now, and it all started with Bridget here a couple of years ago. Bridget Howard is still with the Mountain West, and Catherine Benhart who's now with the Orioles, and um, so we've got we've got a lot of uh, a good alumni going, and, and thank you for recognizing that because that that is something to point a point of pride for myself and specifically Andy Leach of our staff who really puts in an incredible amount of work behind the scenes and makes us all look good.
1: Yeah, I'll give one final shout out specifically to Jasmine because throughout football season and our whip around shows, she's given the uh, Wildcat Roundup talking K State soccer, K State volleyball, K State women's basketball on multiple occasions. And I have no problem shouting out other K-State podcasts. She's over with Casey's uh, Sports Network. She has her own weekly show where she's talking K-State women's sports. So Jasmine's one of the best that you guys have had. And and I saw that she was uh, doing the uh, football pregame show. I I was uh, not going into the stadium earlier than I needed to. So I wasn't able to go over there and say hi, but I'm sure she (laughs) did a great job as well. So again, it's what you guys have done there is just truly second to none.
0: I appreciate that man it's a it's a obviously a, a labor of love and, and we're trying to grow it and continue it on we got big plans in the future of what we're trying to do with that certain element as well and get more students in here so um thankful for that
1: definitely well I want to touch on volleyball first and then we're going to talk about the hot start for the women's basketball team starting with volleyball you and I chatted back in august for the blitz month episode and it was the anticipation it was oh man what could this new arena be like what could this new home court arena be as someone who experienced a hearn at its height for k-state volleyball and now you're getting to see this volleyball specific arena i i never ended up getting in there for a game but watching on tv you could just feel the vibrations coming through the TV. How much fun was it broadcasting from the Morgan family volleyball region
0: It was a lot of fun, um, even from the get-go. And I know it started slow. You know, they host Nebraska and, and Omaha there to begin, and it was packed for those two matches. And obviously they beat Omaha, who's now an NCAA tournament team. But um, – the, the way that the way the environment was in there, it gets, I, I appreciate Gene Taylor and the, the other senior staff members that took the time to to craft. Even Susie Fritz and the old staff got a big hand in this. They wanted to replicate the best of a Hearn, which was some of the acoustics and the way the roof is pitched and the way it's, you know, there's no soundproofing material that's up there to help dampen noise, right? It's just all metal and reverberating right back down on top of you. And, they recreated a Hearne in the best of the of that, but added all of the the amenities of a modern arena, and that's the part that's just so great because when it gets loud in there, uh, not just from fans, but when the music's going. I mean, if they they played Sandstorm a couple of different times there when when K State was downing third ranked Texas, and it, it's deafening. It's as loud as Bramlage is on its greatest moments, and um, you can feel it. It's just pulsating in there, and uh, it's no doubt. I think it caught some teams by surprise. I mean, they knew about it going in, um, Texas, especially, I remember talking with their head coach prior to the match and he, he was looking around and they play in a a volleyball specific arena, which is an old basketball arena, Gregory gymnasium. And it sits about 7,000. And he was like, man, this place is great. And you don't need it to be 10,000, whatever, you know, like Nebraska, you don't need that. And, uh, he's like, I'll bet it's, it's great. We're looking forward to it. And then At the end, he even had some things to say, like, this is unbelievable. Like, this was way tougher than we thought, Uh, clearly intimidating, threw some of their players off. And um, so that bodes well uh, for this team in the future. I think they were just, uh, you know, as it comes to this season and the moratorium on them, they played well down the stretch. They had huge wins, better wins, I think, than anybody in the Big 12, certainly of the lower Big 12 teams that got in the field. But what did them in were a couple of bad losses and and then the road record down the stretch they just they couldn't find enough road wins you know they lost the last three road wins didn't have a road win after october 20th and i think in the end that's what snuck up on them uh, which is unfortunate because i think power metrics big wins what their overall record was in the last 10 matches all those things were in their favor uh, and they if they got in i think they would have been a team that could have won one or two for sure
1: So you, you mentioned it, K-State, on the outside looking in. Is there any sort of, uh, you know, hey, these – because I know for men's basketball and even women's basketball, it's like, hey, these were the the next four. Is, do they have that for volleyball? Is it known how close they were to getting one of those final spots?
0: It's not publicized, but most indications are that K-State was one of the first four out. So they were right there. Um and, and that makes sense based on where they were. RPI ended up in the high 50s, so you're like 57, 58. So if you're going right off the RPI line, I think they were on the outside looking in for sure. Uh, but again, those other metrics helped elevate them. And the committee had mentioned that they were going to use other – the RPI was just one of like 12 tools that they were going to use. But Yet, the selections were pretty much straight down the RPI line. So – If you go back to baseball and what happened with baseball in the spring, which was kind of a similar situation where, again, most people thought they were in uh, all the other metrics, had them in uh, conference finish and and who they beat and all that stuff. But their RPI was kind of question mark. And then the NCAA tournament falls from a committee right along RPI lines, whether a coincidence or not, the indicate or the implication is um, certainly that, well, wait a minute we're not, we're not doing any sort of evaluation beyond RPI. And if that's, that's a disservice because there are some factors at play in both sports that are different, you know, baseball regionality, as far as your opponents and in volleyball, perhaps it's, you know, it's your opponent's opponents and you have no control over who LIU plays, um, you know? Um, So yeah, there's some tweaking that needs to be done. I think if we're all about student athletes experience and getting the best teams, then, Um, you need to find a better way and a better system. And I I don't know what that answer is. Um, I think they're getting closer, but it needs to be more attention drawn to teams like K-State. They get left out. You need to be making more noise. I think Pete Hughes has tried to do that. I think volleyball will try and do the same. Uh, The
1: Mansfield era started, or I guess not started, but this season we we saw some stuff that has not been seen. Long losing streaks broken, uh, multiple top 25 wins. Uh, What do you think the path forward for this team is? Uh, is it NCAA tournament or bus next year? How do they kind of regroup and, uh, you know, use this as a launching point versus, you know, Hey, you know, it it was a nice season and that's what it's looked back on.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, Well, that'll be the tough part. Right. And in this modern era of portal stuff, it's very difficult to predict, you know, who retain, who do you retain off your roster? I mean, we can sit here and and say, if everybody comes back, that should come back, then absolutely. K-State should be in the tournament next year, but, you know, uh, kids that went through senior day that do have a year of eligibility left, like Aaliyah Carter, Mackenzie Morris, Katie Fernholz, they'll have a decision to make, uh, whether they want to move on to grad school and, and have that be somewhere else, or start their uh, professional lives, or play volleyball one more year somewhere else. I mean, those are good players that would have opportunities. You would think um, if they went into the portal, and, and certainly even if they enter the portal, that doesn't mean they won't return. It just means that they're checking out their options. So, I, and I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying in this modern era of college athletics, that's you you have to kind of factor that in. So if those players are back, I think K-State's in a great shape. If they lose them, then they'll they'll have some holes that they'll need to fill. And notably Aliyah Carter on the left is the biggest one. Now Anaya Clinton kind of emerged this year and just today was named the all Big 12 rookie team. So we'll take over that number one spot on the outside and the recruiting class, they feel like is pretty good and they'll hit the portal. K State will, and they've had some success there. So um, I think as to your point, I feel very confident with this coaching staff of of J not just Jason Mansfield, but Steve Astor, Fiona Fanotti, uh, who a former all American setter at Nebraska. I think they, they have a plan. Uh, they have set already commitments for 2025, the year after, that Are it's going to be a top 20 class. Uh, so I think the future is extremely bright. And as you look at the Big 12, as you get these Pac-12 teams in, it'll be a deeper conference uh, than it has been. But you lose perhaps one team in Texas. That nobody really can replace. I mean, BYU is pretty good. They're a top 10 team, but that's not a national championship team every year like Texas is where they're fielding Olympians every year. So the conference becomes perhaps a little bit more maybe up for grabs at the top. And I I would fully expect King State under Jason Mansfield to be a contender for conference titles very soon. I don't know about next year. It'll kind of depend on who's back, but within three to four years, this will be a team knocking on the door for a big 12 title. I'm convinced of it just based on the staff and and what they have. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
1: Definitely. It was must-watch TV this year. It's going to be next year, Uh, and I'm going to get into the arena next year. That that is a guarantee. Before we move on to the women's basketball team, I want to give a shout-out to my friends over at Manhattan Brewing Company. Folks, I was in there before the K-State-Iowa State game. The Tis the Saison is the perfect Christmas beer. I know folks think, oh, you know, I want a dark beer. I want a porter. No, this tart Cherry Saison got me in the mood. They just decked out the entire taproom for Christmas season. So the next time you're in Manhattan, whether you're getting up there for uh, the women's basketball games coming up. The men's basketball games. You live in Manhattan, or you just miss it like me, and you want to be back in the happiest place in the world, Manhattan, Kansas. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company. Get a couple pints. Like it's becoming almost a meme. Get a four pack. Get some Crowlers to go. People are sending me pictures of them getting their to-go beer. And of course, the Wabash Ale partnership with Wildcat NIL is going to be on tap this or this coming month in December. And also, get on. Just be nice, but tell your local liquor store you want that in stores as well let's talk about the women's basketball team and we're going to talk about uh possibly a budding rivalry with iowa but before we do i think it's being uh overlooked by k-state fans i think part of it is it happened on the saturday of senior day and i think part of it you know knocking out iowa and then going you know the full 12 rounds with them another time but they took down a at the time, top 20 North Carolina team down there uh, in, in the Gulf Shores. Uh, what can you tell us about that win? And is I'm sure come selection Sunday, that's going to be a game uh, along with what I'm sure is going to be a big time Big 12 uh, resume and that win over Iowa. That could be the difference between hosting the first two rounds or going on the road as a five seed. How big was that game?
0: Uh, pretty big, no doubt. I, I think for a couple of reasons. One, for the reason you mentioned, which is they're a ranked team. They certainly got off to a great start this year, and uh, you would think that, that would hold up. I mean, they're picked to be second in the ACC behind Duke, who's off to a fantastic start. Uh, Virginia Tech obviously would be a, a, a contender in that league, but um, they, I would suspect that North Carolina, uh, they need to get healthy. They're a little bit banged up at the moment, so K-State may have caught them at the right time, but they defended them and played them very well. And uh, no doubt that later in the year that will help out K-State. I think Western Kentucky will be a team that will help out K-State. That, that's a team that's also predicted to win and be in the top part of their conference. Um, so the conference champions is never never a bad thing when you play them, even if it's a, a team that's a, a little bit lower level. And uh, the other reason it was a big win is because of the style of play of, of North Carolina. North Carolina is the team that really gets in you in the guard's they're, they're a little bit shorter of the guards, but stocky and physical, very, very physical. And in the past, teams like that have given K-State some real trouble, uh, especially guards like that. And can think back, Texas Tech had a young lady last year, Briamber Smith, that popped K-State for 30 and then 25 in the second game. And then Jayla Hemingway of West Virginia was that way. She hit K-State for 29. They've always had trouble with guards that can just drive it at them off the dribble. And in this game, they had to defend three or four like that, and they held their own. And it, part of it's Yoki being back in the center part, and you can kind of rely on a shot blocker back there. The other part were people like Jalen Glenn, who's played just fantastic defense to begin the season, and Ziana Walker, uh, the former Kansas Gatorade Player of the Year that's transferred back from Louisville back home to be with K-State. She's been fantastic uh, as an addition defender for K-State. And then Taryn Sides, uh, the freshman from Phillipsburg kind of held her own. And that was one of the big question marks, was how would she hold up against some guards like Deja Kelly, who's an All-American and a high-prolific scorer for North Carolina. And here's Taryn Sides from Phillipsburg, Kansas. Uh, you know, the I Gotcha" meme that came out of Iowa. I mean, she she played great and, and was able to hold her own and dribble and face pressure and, and not have any problems there. So that's what gets you excited about K-State right now, is I don't think they're – I don't even – I would give you that they're, and Jeff Bailey would probably say the same, that they're probably 75% of, of where they could be because as, as they continue to feel out. How are they going to get shots, the best shots each time with Yoki in the middle? And that's the part that gets you excited is you can, you can beat 18th rank North Carolina and you can beat a veteran Iowa team that's got like six super seniors on it and you're only still not clicking 100%. That gets you really excited about where this team could be in March. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little
1: uh I did want to touch on how has the evolution especially on offense go we 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 saw last year Gabby Gregory was a, a volume shooter we saw Serena Sundell at times take over games on offense and, and then again you you mentioned uh transfer in uh, uh Walker from Louisville she she's shown a propensity to score you have all these options but again you have maybe the most dominant force in college basketball returning, how has that gone? How has the, uh, you know, the, the, the distribution, has everyone been able to get their shots? What, what, what is the thought? You're you're the expert on this women's basketball team. That was a worry I kind of had coming into the season to see how it all would gel together.
0: I don't know about expert. I, I would defer that to Missy, but I will say this. I, that, I would that is say true. That we haven't,
1: I haven't given Missy a shout out yet. I, Unbelievable. I mean, come on. Unbelievable. Hey.
0: Those basketball, so I learned so much from Missy every game and and before I need to games get her just on in the our show. conversation.
1: She's, she is the best man.
0: So I will say this: I I, I think it, everybody is impatient, and coaches are the worst, right? The, the most impatient they want it to come right away. But Jeff has been pretty open about it. it it's going to take some some games to kind of get it to a rhythm. And even though you have some players that have played with Yoki before, back when they were freshmen, and the two Glenn sisters, and then Serena it's still the process of you had a five-out system last year, um, similar to what the guys are doing uh, for K-State under Coach Tang. Uh, You know, you had a five-out system, and you're working at trying to create lanes and driving and then kicking out for threes. And they were very successful with that. And now you had Yoki back in, and now it's the whole process, as you mentioned, of – is it my time to shoot right now or should I pass, you know, or should we need to get working into Yoki? And it's, I think that's where the 75% comment comes from is that I think there's still a moment where they have it in their minds, like, all right, this is a good shot, but I want to make sure we get a great shot. And then you can see that the wheels are turning at times on offense, that they're thinking about that. You want to get to the point where it's not even a thought that it's okay. I know that this is the best shot we're going to get. Or I know that if we whip it here, whip it there, we're going to get this great shot from either a three or from Yoki on the backside of the pass. But that's the part that I think it just will take some time of playing games together that it'll get figured out. This isn't a, this isn't a thing you can't, you can only practice it so much and this team practices on their own as much as any team I've ever been around. I mean, they, coach Mitty's talked about it before they give them days off and on their own, they just go up there and practice because they love being around each other. And they're just, ballers they love being in the gym so when you have that kind of team you don't worry about it ever coming around i I, it's more of a matter of it'll just take one or two games here in the month of december i think is when you'll start to see it and by the time they hit january i have no doubt that they will be they're finding their path forward uh, of when and where who's taking what what your role is and everybody going from there i mean Gabby's kind of struggled through uh, a little bit of a shooting slump to begin the season from outside, but she's averaging a near triple-double because she's continued to rebound. Her assist numbers, she leads K-State in assists, um, and has had, I think, seven and a half assists the last three games, something like that, while averaging like six rebounds a game and then 10 points a game. I mean, those are fantastic numbers, and if you're doing that and winning, uh, she'd be the first one to tell you that's that she'd be more than happy doing that.
1: All right. Before we talk about the specific games, how much FOMO did you have having to follow that game in Iowa City from the Bahamas? <laughs> oh, it was awful. You're the uh, first one because, I thought about, by the way. During because
0: that game. because uh, the uh, the worst part was in the Bahamas, right? You have as people who stream probably know, right? If you stream, I have YouTube TV love it it's great but when you're in a different country those streaming services don't necessarily work they don't it it has regionality you know through wi-fi or whatever uh and i didn't do the the smart thing and get a a vpn and and all that so um i was not able to watch the game and was following just the live stats and it's getting pretty late because it's bahamas time and it's like third quarter and and my son um pops up and he says well dad I've been watching the game and I'm like how are you watching the game and he had found some pirated stream through some who knows what app so he gives it to me and I watched the I got to see the fourth quarter and live vicariously through it and I had been texting uh, my buddy Matt uh, Walters chili dog uh, non-stop you know, hey, better make sure you get this done and get going you know find a way to win and so he had been keeping me updated as well. But so I got to watch through some part of app from my son's phone. And and by the way, I don't I'm sure every criminal in America now has all of our data um from, from that. But um so thanks, shout out to Brady, uh my son for that one. But it, it was it was fun. It was but and obviously after the game is over, I, everyone in the room's asleep uh for my family, and I'm like pumping my hands and I'm texting everybody I know, I'm texting Jeff, I'm texting the staff and um, celebrating it, but so happy for them. Uh, obviously, yes, missed being there, but I'm I'm happy for Matt that he got the call again because he was super stoked. And as a broadcaster, you don't get games like that very often. And there is nothing better in broadcasting than um being kind of a part of a team on a ride home after a win like that. It it you could be on the longest bus ride ever and it wouldn't matter. You're flying. Uh, just because it's you against the world and you've done it and you've taken down the giant and you get on the bus and everyone's pumped. So um, I know it was a pretty happy flame ride back uh, for Matt in that, in that group.
1: They were able to get it done. And I think really on the backs, of course, some big time moments on offense, but what they are able to do on defense, uh, it was a little bit different, you know, in the second matchup, but when you see a defensive performance like that uh, from a fan outside looking in, that makes me think, okay, This team has that grit that might set them up to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Now, that's months away, but when you see maybe the most prolific score in women's college basketball be held to one of her worst efficiency nights of her career, How exciting does that get you, uh, someone who's around the team, someone who's a fan of the team, when you start thinking, oh, man, you know, if if you can do that to Caitlin Clark, what can you do in the Big 12? What could you do in the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament? Because that's immediately where my mind went.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Uh, This team is pretty special defensively. Uh, They just have length tremendous length i mean the starting lineup is the, all the guard every player is over six foot tall which is unusual in women's basketball serena has grown another inch from last year so she's actually six two she's listed at six one but she's six two as a point guard and just incredibly long armed and length and speed and Jalen glenn has got some of the fastest hands i've ever seen for a, a player uh tasha Dickey was like that a couple of years a number of years ago but um she is just cerebral when it comes to reading passes and 90 steals a year ago and is on paths for another. I mean, here's the thing. So K-State has played Caitlin Clark, who's the nation's leader scorer in, in points and has made the most three-pointers of anybody, and it's not even close, and has uh, averaged the most three-pointer makes of anybody in the country, and it's not even close. Yet, having played two games against her, K-State is – 12th in the nation in three point defense at 20, only allowing 21%. And, and when you have a center like Yoki, you would think it'd be the opposite that the, the K State teams are, or maybe they're just camping out out there and you can dribble drive on them. And that's not the case at all. I mean, K State's numbers defensively are off the charts here beginning of the year. It's a credit to K State's defense uh, and uh, Ebony, Ebony Halliburton, one of the assistants, along with uh, Katie Falco, who is on the staff. Is uh, are in charge of defense. They've been a big part of that. Um, it's a credit to them, but it's also a credit to the buy-in from the kids that really are, take it as an important deal. And they're a smart group. I mean, they, you know, as people know in basketball, defense is also about being smart. You got to read a scouting report, know what you need to do. Caitlin Clark, it's not easy to defend her. Her best move is going to her left and then stepping back two steps to shoot a three. It's difficult to guard that without fouling. And Jalen Glenn and Zy Walker did as good a job as anybody in the country because you can't double her. If you double Caitlin Clark, you're going to, you will die. (laughs) She will, she will find everybody else. And that's where the triple doubles come from. And uh, and then you're done. So, um, yeah, you got to play her single up and hope you got somebody that's really athletic and stay with her.
1: And while it it was a loss, they played Iowa again, what was it? A week and a half later. And they proved that they could also, Go blow for blow uh, with them when they are on when they're shooting again, a much better night for Iowa shooting the ball, uh, but still under I believe their season average 37.5. I believe they're averaging closer to 40. I I might have that wrong. Um, no, you're right. Yeah, so so again, even when they they're uh, closer to their average, they outshoot K State uh, by a couple percentages from three. K State's able to go blow for blow; they're able to go on a big run and actually take the lead in the fourth quarter uh, before just a little, just not quite enough steam at the end. Uh, again, I, I'm not a morals vic- moral victory guy, but when you look at those two games going head to head with Iowa, you can't help but think, wow, th- th- this team really has it. Uh, in in the world of college basketball and uh, I melted down a little bit you know I I have a big (laughs) bone to pick with some of the AP voters and some of the coaching voters because I don't see how you can see uh, those two teams and say Iowa's 10 spots better but uh, what was your big takeaway from that second matchup with them Uh, and and, and am I correct in saying hey they can go head-to-head even when I was scoring and that might be almost as impressive as the first performance.
0: No doubt. Um, now, now Iowa was missing one of their key players, uh, a, a slender center, athletic center. It's uh, Hannah Stokey who is um, more of an athletic type. And the, and the goal they used her in the first game was to kind of draw Yoki away from the basket and then drive her. And she can also shoot the three. But, you know, they had a couple of other big centers and they changed their philosophy and just kind of pushed Yoki around inside in, in a physical game. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how much that mattered for them uh, or made much of a difference because clark when she's on is very difficult i would agree with you i think the biggest takeaway was if it's going to take as you look ahead of the big 12 if it's going to take someone going for 32 and hitting seven threes to beat k-state when k-state plays good but not great i think k-state played good in that game but not great they had some mistakes If it's going to take someone having a 32.9 and seven threes to beat this team, then I'm all right with that. I think that was what we learned coming out of that was K-State can play an 80% good game. And it's going to take a Herculean night, a Caitlin Clark night from somebody else on the other team to beat them. So uh, that's what you took out of that uh, tournament. Um, Serena, impressive. Very, very good. There were a ton of WNBA scouts that were there. Um, they were salivating over Serena Sundell after the tournament. Uh, that's all we heard about was Serena Sundell, um, more so than Yoki. I think Yoki was a known product. I think Caitlin Clark was a known product. But Serena uh, opened some eyes uh, from what she could do. Um, so there was a lot of talk about her. And then, obviously, the some of the athletes that K-State had coming off the bench that really didn't even play very much, like a Moffin or a Greer or um terence sides and then walker and uh, Gisela sanchez the spaniard who had a great last two games of the tournament they have a lot of weapons it's a fun team it's a fun team to watch they have this little stupid thing with the gap goat that they love to i, grow I wasn't up on gonna the bench. ask about that but where did i mean is it's, GAP
1: it's an a acronym it's i what
0: don't a, even know what's going it's, on so it, it, a gap to them it's some sort of analytical deal that they the coaches had figured out that if you in in one game if you can get three successive stops on defense without fouling, like three stops, the other team doesn't score. And if you do that seven times in one game, then you win 90 teams win 90 percent of their games. So they wanted to really want this team to buy into that. So they took it to the seniors, the the group of the Sundell, uh, Gabby and Yoki, who are kind of the leaders on the team and said, hey, what do you think about this? um how can we get the, everybody to buy in that this is gap thing is a big deal and they kind of thought we want to do like a turnover chain type type of idea and then it kind of grew into gabby loves goats who loves animals and it grew to this go well, what if we get a stuffed goat well what if we put a chain on it what if we dress it up what if we you know dress it out and then it becomes a thing and so just kind of jump from there and uh, now it's become this deal on the bench if they get three successive stops defensively they're going to go absolutely crazy over on the bench throwing this goat up in the air and um it's got its own social media following and i don't know they love it ai Um,
1: pictures as well by the way on yeah
0: oh do they really okay so they they love it Uh, it's it's become a whole big thing and you know i don't know you've been around teams you follow sports long enough some of the greatest teams that win a whole bunch they always have something like this right I remember the Royals one year when they won, that went to the World Series. Then they have like a cricket or a grasshopper or something like that. The, yeah, the mantis?
1: rally mantis. Yep.
0: Yeah. So stuff like this happens with teams when they're just when you have a good clubhouse that loves each other or a good locker room that loves each other and and loves being around each other. You come up with stupid, stupid inside jokes that not everybody else gets, but they love it and they think it's the greatest thing ever. So that's theirs this year. We got six games in December before
1: ending the month, uh, opening up on the road at Cincinnati to start big 12 play, uh, including a matchup in St. Joe versus Missouri uh, for all the Kansas city area listeners, 5. PM. I believe K state's on the road, the men with LSU. So watch that game and get up to St. Joe, Missouri and watch uh, uh, Jeff Mitty's squad take on Mizzou uh, in St. Joe. But what, what do you want to see over the next six games Again, no marquee names, but again, you're playing a team like Jackson State, who's 5-1 and one. Missouri, a Salty 5-2, Oral Roberts a little bit later, 4-2. and two. So again, maybe not a ranked team, but definitely capable teams before you get started with Cincinnati in the Big 12. So what are you hoping to see over these six games uh, leading into conference play?
0: Well, I think it would be the further development of, of post-depth. Uh, so K-State's shown that they they have a way to win when uh, Aoka gets into foul trouble. It's not the death knell that it was back when uh, this team was – when she was a freshman. They certainly have depth there with Amani Lester and Eliza Moppin and Heavenly Greer and some others. But I think these next couple of games will be important for them to – I think Coach Minnie mentioned that before, that he really wants to see them get post-play a, a, a consistent person in there to help out. they don't have to change too much of what they're trying to do. And then the other part would be you want to find some rhythm for three-point shooting, get a little more consistent on the outside. I I believe uh, wholeheartedly that that will happen. Uh, You know, it's kind of one of those, is like free throw shooting. You don't want to talk about it too much and then have it become a mental deal. But I think as you play some of these lower uh, teams that are coming in with, uh, you know, not, not quite the highest profiles that you maybe see a Jalen Glenn or Riley Glenn or, Sides, Walker, uh, Gregory, Sanchez have games where they start now putting back to back to back three to four three pointer games. And and once that starts to happen, you can hit conference play where you have a legitimate threat of four to five shooters on the outside that can go for three or four or five three pointers a game. At that point, you become indefensible. I, I don't know how you slow them down. So they're already rebounding at an incredible rate. And then their point paint uh paint touches and post scoring percentages are way off the roof, so I don't if they get to the point where they're hitting consistent threes and you get a backup center that can come in and give you five and five and and keep you kind of rolling this team becomes a legit deep run postseason tournament team, regardless of the matchups uh which is so much of the the case on the women's side you know everyone wants to say there were some people that came up to us in in Florida that said, well, this is a final Four team." And they're like, well, no. I don't know. I mean, part of that. I mean, if you meet up with South Carolina in the Elite Eight, you're not a Final Four team. So, uh, you know, a lot of that's matchups on the women's side. But, and a long way to go to get there. But on paper, if you can do those things, develop posts, get some more consistent three point shooting from the guards, they're going to be heading into conference play as good as anybody.
1: Final thing, because I was counting it up as you were talking, there are, uh, I believe, uh, eight undefeated teams currently in the Big Twelve. Texas and Baylor joined K-State in the top 15. Only one matchup with Baylor. You got home and away with Texas. It's an unbalanced schedule. But when you're looking at this, and I don't want to put the card ahead of the horse, uh, but it's hard not to daydream about, okay, could this be the return of the Big 12 championship trophy to Bramwich Coliseum, another banner for the women? Um, if they get that outside shooting going, if you can bring some of that young depth around could this be an all-time type team? Uh, you know, again, I don't want—I don't want to put anything ahead, but they seem to have the potential to go down amongst the legendary teams that have played in Bramwich Coliseum.
0: No doubt. I mean, like you said, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but yes, looking at the schedule. Uh, I think on the women's side, as the merger has happened with the Big Twelve, uh, with the uh, the Pac-12 teams coming in, you're in kind of that off year where. There are There is still some um, underbelly of the Big 12 that's not as good as it could be. Uh, UCF is an unknown at this point. I, I think they're rebuilding under Satya Messer, a longtime assistant for Kim Mulkey at LSU and Baylor. Could be good down the road. They're off to an unbeaten start, but they haven't really played anybody. Same for BYU. Could be good. Uh, relatively unproven at head coach, but uh, someone coming from the AAU and high school ranks, but um, got a great recruiting class, and they're off to a fast start. And Houston struggled the last few years, but off to an unbeaten start. But on paper, you have a lot more wins on the end on the bottom end of the league than you've had in years past. That said, the teams you mentioned, I mean, Kansas is still gonna be very, very good. The Jayhawks, um, you know, have had a very difficult schedule to begin the year. I think it's kind of caught up, so their record may be misleading. Um, and Oklahoma will be a, a tough out, no doubt. But um uh, Yes, could they do it? Absolutely. Um, Texas is the one that scares you. I think the the way that they play defense, trying to get the ball and get quick steals and live ball turnovers makes it very difficult to if you get caught behind the eight ball there on inbounds plays and turn it over a bunch, you can get behind really fast. But I like this team. I like this way this team is coming around. It certainly reminds you of those Big 12 championship teams that K-State's had in the past. It reminds you of the of the games of the teams like uh, with Lenning and Gibson and Sweat and Dietz where they had weapons all over the court and uh, all the way back to Wecker oldie and the big four with Mahoney and, and Kane and and that group, you know, where you had shooters and he had the inside game. So um, those championship teams had pieces like this, where you've got balance across the court and no fear of anybody and can score and defend anybody at any time. And this team is getting there. I, I they they really do have that in them. Um, be curious to see what happens over the next month because, yes, the unbalanced schedule in the league going to Baylor won't be fun. But if they can roll through the first part of January and be unbeaten by the time they head down to Waco, boy, that'd be uh, something else. Definitely, I have four questions
1: for you involved in the holiday season because I love Christmas. Before I do, get your Christmas gifts over at Charlie Hustle. We've been talking a lot of women's basketball. They have the Aoka League, Gabby Gregory, Double Trouble NIL shirt. There's a K-State podcast, the Aggieville Cats. And if you guys like K-State women's basketball talk, make sure you're also listening to them because they do a great job covering the, as they call the, the lady basket or casket. I don't know. They have weird words for everything. Ace and, and Connor, great guys. I bought them both the Double Trouble shirt from Charlie Hustle. So they're rocking those all around Topeka as they're in law school. It doesn't matter if they're not a K-State fan. They have all sorts of officially licensed K-State gear and Kansas City icon stuff. Who doesn't love a Kansas City Plaza like shirt? So get over to charliehustle.com today, Vintage Made Fresh. Get your holiday shopping. Brian, my first question for you, what is your all-time favorite Christmas song?
0: Christmas song? Um. All right. So this is going to be weird, but um, there was a movie that came out on Apple TV last year called Spirited with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. I oh, love it's... that movie. I watched it love that playing
1: back from the Big 12 championship last year. It is so good.
0: Loved it, love the songs, and there is a song it's on the end. It's a cut song that's the Ripple song, and it makes me laugh every time I hear it because I can see Will Ferrell's face. I'm just a huge Will Ferrell fan. Um, so right now, that is the song that I would say is my favorite song because my daughter and I were listening to that in the car just last night, and I was we were belting it out top of our lungs. Um, I love it, it's hilarious. So, yes, that would be my favorite. It, the, the old traditional one is the Bing Crosby um i'll be home for christmas but uh or it's beginning to look a lot like christmas whatever a no, white yeah. christmas song but anyway the, well
1: i mean you just named three different songs i mean those are all i funny. know i did
0: i was i was trying to get that it's white christmas being crosby that that's your old traditional one but the last one is ripple from uh spirited which is a a, a silly one that i don't know if many people are gonna get that reference but i love that movie oh i i love it
1: as well is that currently your favorite christmas movie question number two favorite christmas movie
0: uh, it is, um, no doubt it is. I would say, uh, Elf's always a standby cause again, the Will Ferrell, uh, aspect of that. Um, but there, there are some others. I'm trying to think there was, uh, there's an older Christmas movie that I was watching here recently. And I remember, I thought to myself, boy, this is really a great Christmas movie, but it wasn't a Christmas movie. Now I can't remember what it was, but it's kind of like the Hard thing, right? It takes place at Christmas, but it's not really a Christmas movie, but, um, Yeah, Elf would be the other one, I suppose. Christmas Vacation is always a great one. Um, Lines of that are used around the office up here all the time, and none of the young people understand what we're talking about.
1: Well, I mean, I must be getting old then because I I drop those references all the time. Uh, Question number three, do you have a favorite Christmas tradition that you do every year?
0: um it gets harder and harder to do it but our my family since i was young we've always gone out and cut down our own christmas tree no artificial trees we go out in regardless of the weather first weekend of december go to a christmas tree farm pick out the tree cut it down and, uh, from a licensed farm and then not just off much part and then uh, bring it home and decorate it up. And it's becoming harder and harder to do because with the droughts that we've had in Kansas, it, it's really hard to grow Christmas. I remember talking to the, the people we went here a couple of years ago and they were like, yeah, we're going to have to stop. We just can't grow them anymore. It's it's hard to keep them watered and fresh. And so it's getting harder to do. But uh, I've we've been known to drive a couple of hours to to go find a Christmas tree farm and cut one down. And lug it back in the, uh, the the smaller family vehicle. And then the
1: final Christmas question of our four-pack sponsored by Charlie Hustle, which I probably should have reversed it. You know, Manhattan Brewing Company does their, their beers in four-packs. That's usually how I do it. But you know what? It is what it is. When you are putting up Christmas lights, whether it's on your house, whether it's on the tree, mm-hmm. whether it's around the house, are you a multicolored guy or just the fluorescent whites?
0: Multicolored um we are uh all about it and we did one year when we went all white and i it, my um my sort of uh need for color coordination all that sort of stuff i liked it at first but uh the kids immediately vetoed it said they wanted back to multicolor, and uh, we've been a multicolor household since and i kind of like it now so um but oddly um before i went on this two-week jaunt with basketball i was gonna put them up the day before we left and i thought ah I'll just do it when we get back. It won't be a problem. And now there's all this snow on the ground and ice and, and, uh, cold. And so now I'm not as inspired. So we'll see if they get up. My goal is to get them up tomorrow, but
1: we'll be safe. If do it. Uh, that's all I have. What would you like to say to the boneheads in any case state fans listening?
0: Well, by the way, if you're this, if you've listened this long to me drone on for nearly an hour, I, I want to say thank you um, for all the fans that are still listening. I, I would say this, um, it's still a great day to be a Wildcat. It's always a great day to be a Wildcat. This is always my favorite time to visit with you, Scott. Uh, I enjoy this podcast tremendously. And listen, I uh, don't listen to many because we I don't have a whole ton of time. But the ones you've mentioned uh, that, that I've already thrown out, I try and catch when I can. Uh, listen to yours re- regularly as much as possible. And I would say stick with us. Uh, it, it's never as dark as you think. Uh, and it's never as great as you think, and it's always somewhere in between as a fan. And having been on the outside as a media member and then now with Wildcats, I would say this is a fantastic place to work. The people here love this university. Most of them are alma maters that are working back here and want nothing but the best for K-State, and you uh, should be very proud as a Wildcat and thankful this Christmas season or this holiday season that you have uh, the coaches that you do and the people that work here because all they think about almost every day, we had a meeting about that today, is how can we best serve Wildcat fans? And that's pretty rare. Uh, and just talking with other people across the league and across the country. So uh, makes you proud to be here and proud to be an alum.
1: Well, I absolutely love it. So, Brian, thank you so much for your time. K-State fans, you're going to hear me say this quite a bit over the next month in this season of giving please consider giving to charitable organizations that are near dear to your heart look into local food food banks uh toys for tots during this seasonal time think about adopting a family try to give back during this season of giving uh and yeah uh that's what we have uh tomorrow i will be talking about Uh, the most recent men's basketball game and getting ready for uh, the uh, Villanova game. I know we have another game on Saturday, but that's going to be a big one in Bramlage next week. And, of course, we'll be ready to dial things back in with women's basketball as they take on Jackson State. You can see the game on ESPN+. Plus. I believe it's Friday, 630? Yep. That's right. All right. There it is. Uh, So for Brian, one of the best humans in the world. For my dog, Chauncey, the best dog in the world. We love you guys and go cats. Three,
0: hail to the purple, Hail to the white, Wild Cat in spirit, Wild Cat in fight, Hail, Alma mater from sea to sea.
1: fight, UK State Wildcats for Alma Mater fights, glory in the combat for the purple and the white, faithful to our colors we will ever
0: be, a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat Victory, fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater, fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for our Wildcats victory. Go State! One, two. Three. Cast network.